Okay, everybody, welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester once again with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I am excited once again to have an amazing guest on today named Cameron True. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, be glad fun. to have you. Uh, I also need to thank our sponsor, uh, Veracity Networks. I'm so grateful for their sponsorship and support and helping getting this uh, belief cast out to the masses. And, uh, you know, Drew Peterson, uh, who uh, made this all possible. So I, I need to thank them. And I also want to thank the listeners. Thank you for all your support. We're trending. We're, we're cranking. Uh, the downloads are just booming up right now. And so thank you so much for all your support. And I also give credit to amazing guests. And today's no different with uh, Cameron True today. So thanks for being here, my friend. No problem. I'm nervous. <laughs> Yeah, he hasn't done a podcast before, but uh, he's got an amazing story. I'm going to give you a little background on Cameron. Um, he was born in 1979 in Long Beach, California. Uh, he moved uh, from California to Heber City when you were 13 years old. That was fun, by the way. Yeah. Huntington Beach to Heber in Dude, like, I what, know. 92? Yeah, you're probably a little depressed. I hated my parents <laughs> for about five years. Dude, totally. But now I love it. Yeah. Um, we'll talk. I want to talk about that. You were oh. 13 at that time. Um you served a mission for your church, uh, served for about 20 minute, uh, 20 months, excuse me, and you blew your knee out. We'll talk about how what happened there. Uh, you're married to your wife, Ashley, and you have four children, Yep, which we'll talk a lot, lot about as well. Your favorite sport is ice hockey, and you started playing at the age of eight. You also love snowboarding and things like that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, listeners, he, he is the founder and owner of Bam Bam's Barbecue. Yeah. which is one of the best barbecue places out there. Um, Thank you. Anyone that I know who've been there, they, oh, I love Bam Bams. Just earlier, I was telling uh, someone here at Wasatch that you were coming in, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the uh, owner and founder of Bam Bams. He's like, Bam, I love that place. <laughs> yeah, so um, pride and joy. So we'll give that some props, and we'll cool. talk about how that all came about and why you got into that business. Okay. So anyway, thanks for Crazy being story. here. Hey, my pleasure. Appreciate it. So why don't you give us a little background, uh, you know, growing up in California and with your family, a little bit about your family. Yeah, so born and raised in Long Beach. Well, I don't know if I should say raised. I was there until I was about eight. And then we moved to Huntington Beach, California. And so okay. um, I obviously remember a lot more about Huntington Beach. So yeah. Um, Were you really we close to the beach too? Were you like close, right there? Yeah, about a mile, I don't know, two miles. Yeah. But I was there, you know, summertime. I, was, <laughs> I would just get dropped off. I mean, it was... Yeah. I, it's crazy to think about now as a parent just dropping off your, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old at Bolsa <laughs> right. Chica and just saying, Yeah, would I'll you be ever get out with three. your kids? No <laughs> cell phones, no nothing. Right. We'd get out of the water for an hour and go to this little jack in the box and ask for ice water and a lemon wedge and a sweet and low to make lemonade and <laughs> go back out in the water. So, boy, times have changed oh, from man, that, right? Have they ever. So, really fun. Um, uh huh. That's where I found hockey. Wayne Gretzky came to town, and they finally started showing hockey on TV. And yes. it's kind of like barbecue. It's a similar story. I saw I saw it on TV. I went outside, put on my mom's like '70s disco girl roller skates that were in the, <laughs> out serious? there. Yep. And then I nailed a piece of scrap drywall that I found in a trash can into a broomstick. Okay. And had a tennis ball. And my dad came out and was like, "This kid's so serious about wanting to play hockey that." took me to sport mart and we got a hockey stick and played so, ever since yeah that's interesting so you just saw it on tv did, yeah. did you just go man that looks so much it looks fun like or? a blast and so so yeah then i found some kids playing street hockey at my middle school that were all 
they were all senior, you know, juniors and seniors in high school. I was only in seventh grade, sixth, seventh grade. Right. So once I got my real hockey stick and I had gotten some rollerblades, I actually just went and hovered for an hour at a time every day and it took a couple weeks and they finally let me they finally let you in let me play like this kid wants to come in and then <laughs> you know a year later i had about 20 of my own friends that had all bought stuff and we kind of continued the tradition and so is this still down in huntington this was in huntington beach yep it, it kind of seems weird that you're doing hockey stuff right there are, a lot of people surfing, were surprised right? by that yeah well right <laughs> and so it was street hockey was really big and and then that moved into ice hockey and played club ice hockey and Came up there and ice hockey slowed down quite a bit just because hockey here is still, even after the Olympics, is still pretty non-existent. And yeah, so I know. For, yeah. In high school, the only way I could have played was to either move into somebody's house in Park City and play for Park City High, which if you're from Heber, right. that would be like a BYU kid going to the U or right. like Park City and Wasatch, we hated each other. Okay. <laughs> and then... Or I, so I ended up playing for a team called Salt Lake County Independent. So basically it was one team with kids from all over Utah, Salt Lake, and Wasatch and Summit Counties that okay. didn't have a high school team to play for. So Interesting. played for them for well, a couple let, years. And I want to talk more about that. I want to jump back just a little bit. So you have brothers and sisters? Yep, yeah. I'm the oldest of five. Oldest? I've got two little brothers, two okay. little sisters. Right on. Did they, yeah. did they kind of follow your footsteps in the ice hockey thing when no, you were younger? We, or? Everybody kind of... Everybody kind of did their own thing. I have two. <laughs> um, ski patrol was a big thing for a couple or for one of my my sister right underneath me. Um, a lot of crazy issues with our parents got divorced when we were, I was probably 16, 17. And so after that, everybody just kind of did their own getting thing. Getting independent and doing their own thing. We're all very, very, very close. You know, we're all still yeah. close. How was, let's talk uh, about that when, when your parents divorced, how did, how did that go down and how did you um, handle that? Yeah, I didn't handle it super good. Um, I think it was hard for me just because it kind of moved me into the parent role a little bit just cause you know, Cause it's, it's hard, it's hard for, yeah. you know, I, I've got, we can talk more about that here in a few minutes, but I've got my own experience with that almost happening. And so I mm -hmm. can see how it's really hard to focus on anything else other than the actual split and so right um you know i'm protective so kind of watched after them and i had some siblings have some issues right after that with drugs and alcohol and things like that so um i wasn't going i wasn't going to go on a mission because i thought i had to stay home to kind of look after them and yeah didn't want to leave them um so yeah ended up i still ended up going i went about a year late to try to magically get them back together. I just thought like, if I go on a mission, the Lord will bless me and my parents will be back together. <laughs> magically they'll be I think back my dad together. remarried like four months in and I'm just like, ah, oh, crap. Well, there goes that. I was just going to go home yeah. and luckily I had a mission president really helped me figure it out. And so, yeah. so figured out my reason came home and inherited a whole lot of other problems with the two youngest and all the way up to me getting married, which was 2005, the youngest lived with me the first year because he had had issues with both of them and, and one in Wyoming and one in Utah and had nowhere to live so he lived with okay. me so so yeah it was but it was great I mean we, we all got very close and now everybody's happy everyone's married everybody's now that you're in good further shape. down the road it's all kind of yep. smoothed over I guess yeah. a little bit but um, it definitely affected me it had I didn't really realize it affected me until I got married 
Okay. And then a few years in, you know, we started having some issues and I didn't think anything was wrong until I went to my first therapy session. Okay. And then I found out that not everything was right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So yeah, here we are still married, but it's been a, it's been a road. So yeah. So yeah, it definitely affected me, but. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about, so you, you, you go serve the mission mm-hmm. four months into it. It sounds like you find out your dad remarries. Right. Um, how did, how did that feel at the moment? What, what was going through your mind when you, I mean, it was hard just because obviously you always want your parents to get back together and you don't want your, your life interrupted. You want things to just kind of keep going the same. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I think, I think for me, I was in the right place for it to happen just because, you know, I was it really helped me find my own reason for right. my testimony, for the church, for my mission. And I mean, I, I tell people all the time, my mission, I mean, I don't even want to know where I'd be without my mission. I kind of think that it really set me on the right yeah. path for the rest of my life. Cause so, I'm a very unstructured person. Right. And, um, well, I know it helped me. It yeah. Helped me and I know we're kind of guessing here, but had you not gone on it in four months, you know, you find out your dad, remarried someone else if you weren't on your mission do you think it would have been a different scenario for you could have been um i definitely would have probably had more time to think about it and i was probably you know i'm right there so i probably would have tried to cause some problems right just but um you know i think it forced me to kind of deal with it i'm in south america there's not a whole lot i can do from there and yeah and, no, you know, you want them to be happy. Sure. Uh, you know, I, there's a part of it that's selfish. Like, I don't want you to get remarried because I want you to marry mom. And yeah. But, I mean, when you're a kid, it's, that's yeah. all you're thinking about. No, so, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, who knows? Hindsight, Did I you, definitely think I was in the right spot. It, it probably would have been worse, but I don't, I yeah. don't know. I yeah. don't know how I would have handled um, it. And, and so, and obviously, being the oldest, like you said, you kind of had to take a parent role and, you know, maybe helping with the other siblings. How did that affect you did did you feel pressure from that was it something that just naturally came to you or did you did you resent it you know um i think later i resented it once i realized that it had taken a toll mm-hmm. um but you know i'm naturally kind of a protective person i like taking care of people and um you know at first i didn't really mind but um on my mission was the first time one of my siblings, I'll try to keep it to just siblings so I don't sure. sell anybody out. But, <laughs> I and I don't think they'd care, but um, yeah, that's, yeah. one of my siblings called and, and this person was probably the most, the best grade. Like I, I had horrible grades my whole life. Like I graduated high school because teachers loved me, but right. this, this one was straight A's, you know, super active in the church leadership roles all through you Mm -hmm. know and i got a call and the sibling just said i drank tonight and i'm on my mission i'm like what the crap what'd you just say i mean it was like the last person in the family yeah you were like shocked like you right (laughs) and it just kind of started from there so Mm -hmm. you know i got that phone call and then the next one started having issues and the next one started having issues and it was you know 10 15 years and it's just you know, it, of course, back then I blamed it all on the divorce. And I think, yeah. I don't know that it's the divorce as much as just when you take structure away from kids right. and they've got a little more freedom to just go out and, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure it affected them and they were sad and whatever, but yeah, 
Well, um, but, you know, yeah. And the other thing is, is you know, as young as you guys were, because how old were you when your parents divorced? So I was, we, I found out. Let's see, I came home from like a school dance. My mom was waiting at the table to tell us. Um, so I'm sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. So, so you're yeah. so really between the ages of like eight and sixteen, really. Right. When when a divorce occurs in a family, even subconsciously, the kids on some level think it's their fault. Right. They may not say it out loud, but that's what's inherently going on inside a little bit. And so, I, you know, not only is it hard, but then when you have those kind of feelings and thoughts, man, it's like, why right. Why isn't this enough? Why am I not enough even or whatever to keep this right. together? Like you even said, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them back. Right, right. This. You know? No, and that's, that's solely, that is how I felt. I don't know that I blame myself, but I was surprised. I mean, yeah, it, it I don't think any of us... It's not like we saw them fighting a lot or anything yeah. like that, but, yeah. but I mean, looking back now, it, it's easier to kind of see where maybe it went wrong, but, right. um, so, I mean, I learned a lot from it too and sure. And, um, you know, just like anything really bad, a lot of good can come from it. And, and I, I almost thank it for saving, you know, there was a separation in my marriage that we can talk, talk about, yes. you know, when we get to it, but, um, because of what I experienced from the kids perspective, um, right. it really gave me motivation to work hard to, to get to on track and, yeah. and, and be better and, and make it work. And so, um, so I think had I not had that experience, maybe it would have been easier for me to just say, well, screw you. I'm out of here. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. I love that because I really have a philosophy and a belief that life happens for us. Right even though it's difficult at the time, but like you even said, man, had, you know, it was actually a blessing right. in disguise a little bit. There. Absolutely. So, um, on your mission, you mentioned you, bl you blew your knee out uh, about 20 months in. Yeah. Talk about that and how, how what, what led to, well, I learned you know, that when you're six, five to 80 <laughs> soccer is not the sport for you. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was P day. We were playing soccer and, um, it was on one of those, remember the old carpet, like church gyms? Oh yeah. Uh -huh. It was like that. Oh. And so I had blown my knee out a few times. I wrestled in high school. That was the first time it happened and it happened in basketball and it happened in hockey. So I think both knees, my kneecaps blew to the outside, I think oh. eight or nine times each before wow. I got surgeries. Really? Um, and so it happened again down there and, um, they wanted me just to do a scope surgery down there, like this Harvard educated doctor, like the whole bit looked fine, but our orthopedic up here was just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And, um, so as hard as it was, especially with as close as I was to my mission president, um, we decided that I should go home, but, um, I didn't want to finish just cause the first six months of my mission, I was just kind of screw off just because like I said earlier, yeah. I didn't really know why I was there, you know? Yeah. I, well, I knew right. I was there until that didn't work. And so I really wanted to finish. And so after 18 months, they release you, you know, if it's a medical reason. And, right. um, so my, my stake president had to get permission from the first presidency to let me go back out. And so I stayed home unreleased from my duties for a month. So, I mean, every day I had to dress up and at that time I really wanted to be a cop. 
That was all I ever wanted to do. Really? And so I just rode with a good friend of mine. He's a higher patrolman. So I would just ride with him every day for like eight to 10 hours just to stay busy uh-huh. <laughs> and you know wait for my answer. So coming over from South America after being gone for you know, 19, 20 months, and a lot of my friends were home by this time, and I just had to stay you know, right. locked into missionary mode. It was tough, but they sent me back out to knoxville tennessee and they opened up a spanish mission there and i was in fort Payne, alabama for four months all right so it was awesome so i got to finish and and i felt good about it so so um how did you know you blow your knee out and stuff and i know you're 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 an active guy you're doing things like that did it get to the point where you couldn't do some of these things anymore um the nice thing about i've always been able to handle pain pretty good so um it would get better you know, every time it felt a little looser, but I could get to the point where I could rehab it and then get back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after the mission, I played hockey, and um, and it happened a few more times. And then finally, I didn't have insurance. It was almost oh, wow. a blessing that it happened. So I, it, the last time it had happened, I was playing in a BYU hockey game. Blew out on the ice, and since that happened, I was covered under USA Hockey, so... Oh, they really? actually paid, so I actually had both my knees done at the same time, which was kind of stupid in hindsight. I was trying to play <laughs> the next season, so they're like, "If you can handle it, we'll do both knees at the same time." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good. I can handle it." And wow, holy crap, it was miserable. But um, so I mean, I didn't play any more BYU hockey after that. But that was when you know, you I played done. in some men's leagues and stuff. But right. Then got married and fat, and so I haven't played for a few years. <laughs> I don't want to hurt the ice. Yeah, I can't imagine you on hockey. Skates. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. So even listeners, if playing, you don't know, big. Cameron's a big dude. He's I'm a, a big he's dude. a big guy, and I can't imagine <laughs> him coming barreling down on some skates. And I wouldn't want to get hit by you. Yeah, that's it, for sure. It doesn't work well. So for you most meet. People. So you meet Ashley. You guys get married, right? Yep. And you know, you you now have four children, correct? Yep. Let's just talk about that. You mentioned a little earlier that. Uh, you know, obviously you guys are in love, you get married and this and that, but there was some, you know, I don't know if it happened sooner or in the marriage or later, but uh, you guys had some issues. Let's restaurant talk about that. that. Well, I guess we had some issues before that, but um, yeah, she didn't know what she was getting into. She just thought I was this fun, cuddly, big guy, and I was, but it's funny, once you're married for a while, you just realize, you know, once the stresses kick in, the pressures right. kick in, it, you don't, it definitely has a tendency to bring some of the issues to the surface and yeah so you know the one other cool thing is that i i really well i shouldn't say that in the in the beginning i remember when my parents divorced that like my bishop and some other people were like you you know you should go to a counselor and i'm like i'm good i'm good everything's good i was happy yeah and so later it took a while for people to talk me into like going to marriage counseling and seeing if there's any issues and maybe deep down I was just scared of finding out there was issues. And so anyway, um, somebody had referred us to some, but this guy in Arizona and we were living in Arizona the first time that we had some issues. Um, she had gone to Washington with the kids when I was out on a work trip and just called and said, um, we're not coming home for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. I need a break. And I was just like, wait, what? What's going on? And, uh, you know, we only had, I think, two kids at the time. And Did you know something was going on, or was that kind of a shock to you? It was a shock. It was a shock. That, I think she would have me no, or she'd have no problem with me saying this, but um, 
you know, I'm very expressive. I wear my heart on my sleeve. It's pretty easy to tell, you know, mm-hmm. how I'm feeling at any right. given moment. Where she'll, she's pretty good at holding it in. Right. And she won't say anything until it's... Right. And that's kind of what had happened. And Okay. And so, anyways, that was the first time that we decided to do marriage counseling. And then very quickly, we realized that... I mean, I think most most times it's the dude's fault. We're a little <laughs> bit we're a little bit more rowdy, but um, we just realized that I had some some issues that I needed to deal with, and they all stemmed from the divorce. And so, um, so yeah, it was really good to talk about it and so and what get it you... out in the open, and then just learn things that it was funny because I don't remember what the therapy was called, but it was kind of weird. But man, it just like I started remembering things I hadn't thought of for 10, 15 years. Right. And it just came out. I was bawling like a baby and Yeah. Um was it EMDR? Uh, Where they do this and they No, no. I I've seen that before. It I just remember like I had to close my eyes and repeat things that he was saying and oh, okay. it just kind of brought things brought up. Brought things to the surface. And, so there was a lot of hurt there still yeah. that you had kind of suppressed right, right over the years so it wasn't like i thought it was okay right but, and you know i look back i think a lot of it was i was so focused on my family that maybe i mm-hmm. never really took time to worry about myself because i had something to work on you know i i was yeah. yeah i have some crazy stories with my brothers and sisters just looking for them all hours of the night and you know looking there with drug dealers and everything else and yeah anyway it was crazy but it it but that's very distracting and, and you feel good yeah. for doing that. You love them and, you, and you're helping them out. And all along, I had the same, you know, emotional struggles that they were going through. I just wasn't, you know, going down the drug path. But I was lucky because I had the mission and some discipline and right. some things that had helped me grow up a little bit. I was a little older. And they were, you know, three of them were right in the middle of their teenage sure, crazy yeah. years. Oh, and so, yeah. Yeah, um, years. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of better late than never and i think it helped ashley to know that hey he's not just a jerk he's got a lot of stuff he just needs like, to yeah get there's resolved. some there's reasons right. why this there's is something what, that yeah. we can fix here right and so um so yeah it helped a lot and it gave me a really really strong belief and opinion on on therapy and marriage counseling and yeah like even when things are fast forward to now even when things are good we still go you know yeah. four or five times a year because it's like man why wouldn't you yeah, I love it. So you mentioned something earlier how uh because of what you went through with your own parents, how it helped you through this. Right. And you mentioned specifically kids. Yeah. So talk about that and how that played a role of your motivation to really work on you. So I still look back at it, you know, I'm really close to both my parents still and I mean, I'm very close to my brothers and sisters. It it kept us all really close, but for me, when we were separated, so the basically about a week before I opened the restaurant, my my wife was just like, I'm done. And we can fill in. There's a lot of cool things that happened before that. But um, <laughs> anyway, so the first, a lot of people don't know that the first six months the restaurant was open, I was living at my grandma's house. Really? Okay. And I didn't even get one night with my kids that whole, that first six months. So and you know the first six months, there's no other cooks. There's no like I'm the manager. I'm the I'm You're the doing server. Everything. I'm You're everything. Doing it all. And so, yeah. and you know, I look back, and that was a good thing because it kept me busy. But, um, 
but to have to put on a smile every day because you you know you're just introducing the business and you got to make people happy and make them feel special and working 18 hours it was it was hard and so right but during that was um putting myself in my kids shoes i i didn't and you know i don't like saying this a lot because i don't want my parents to feel bad but i don't i didn't want them to have to go through what we went through right and i don't necessarily you know I have well, no ill will towards my parents at well, all, but, but, but they're like younger. You, yeah. It's like you said earlier. I mean, it, it ended up being a blessing right. as well. Yeah. As tough as it was, you know, you made it work and right. you've learned from it. You've grown from it. So either way, your kids would have done the same thing. Sure. But, but again, yeah. But for me, it's, yeah. I mean, it's like that was 15, 20 year process. And so right. I just, I want them to yeah. be happy and I don't want to feel, cause you know, I'm sure every marriage is different, but I'm going to take 99% of the blame for just because <laughs> I'm, you know, she's great. She's perfect, but well, not perfect, right? but more perfect than me. And okay. so, um, but yeah, it was a good wake up call. And, um, I think my big driving force and really being able to look in the mirror and, and work hard towards, you know, just being better right. was them. You know, not wanting them to have to live through that. And, you know, you think of another parent and step parents and all that. And so, um, so it was motivating for me. And it, it, again, I look back at that just kind of like my parents' divorce, where it was a huge blessing because it, it really helped me personally in a lot of ways because it was just me and I could focus on me and, um, reading a lot of books, meeting with right. the bishop, meeting yeah. with the therapist, just trying to get better. And it got to the point where it was over. And yeah. um, it, w- it was kind of a cool revelation to know that I'm like, I'll be all right. Yeah, it- It's, you know, as long as I've got my spiritual life in order and I know yeah. he's happy with me, the big man's happy with me, I'll be yeah. okay, it'll all, all right. work out. Yeah. And once that feeling hit about, two weeks later I was living in my house again it was just like this miracle wow fix and so more detailed story than that but in in the gist of it that's kind of what happened and right. so I think being with my grandparents you know they've they've had kids stray like crazy yeah so they and they are about as spiritual as it gets and so I think being with them was really helpful right and uh, so again another blessing another blessing even yeah. though it was a hard time for right you. right right but to, to yeah. but to be them and under their influence, man, right. what a what a gift that was as poor, well. Poor grandparents. It's like, hey, I'm <laughs> right. uh, 31, and me and my 200 pound dog are moving in. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But no, they loved it. It yeah. was fun. It was a good time. So, yeah. um, it was a horrible time, but yeah, right. It, it was it was good for me. It, it's it's helped me ever since, and it, and I draw from it a lot because yeah. any time where, whenever Ashley's mad at me, I kind of look at something and go, okay, what did I do? Yeah. How can I fix it? And I don't want to live at grandma's anymore. Like right. that was such a bad time. So it's, it's a good motivator and it's sure. something I never want to go back to. So, well, if you, if there's some listeners out there right now that are listening to your story and they're struggling in their marriage and they're not quite sure what to do, what, what advice would you give them um, based on what you've been through? You know, I think we have a tendency, I, I think one of the therapists told me once that we live in an upgrade society, you know, everything that we have, I'm that way with my phone, my truck, you know, you just always kind of want the newest thing. And, yeah. um, I'm a true believer in the grass is never greener on the other side. 
and you know anything that's good is is this is cliche after cliche but anything that's good is is hard yeah and so i think that no matter what's happened you can make it work it just takes it takes a lot of work so i mean yeah i think a lot of people are very stubborn with therapy with counseling especially yeah. in the mormon culture you know here yeah. in utah mm-hmm. and it's sad because there's so many good resources there are some bad ones like sure. we've been to a couple of therapists so <laughs> i was just like what in yeah. the hell is this person talking about <laughs> right. Uh-uh. Right. but right and i think it's okay to disagree with them and, yeah. and if they don't feel right move on but i think all of us know someone who's been through therapy or counseling sure. and probably as a resource or a referral mm-hmm. and before you know you make any decision like that you've got to give it a shot yeah you know you got to look in the mirror and say you know i don't have any problem i'm one of those guys that has no problem admitting that i did something wrong i'm an apologizer i yeah um if it's my fault i'll own it um at least if i can see it you know if if i notice it but if but if i don't and they make me aware of it then yeah i'm pretty agreeable that way um, and I think that that's the biggest thing is like, Hey, what am I, what am I doing wrong here? What can I fix here to make the right. other person's life better and just have faith that they'll do the same thing. Cause all, all you can really do is take responsibility for yourself. You can't ask right. somebody else to change if you don't change. And yeah. so, yeah, I think, I think just asking for help and, and swallowing your pride and your ego. Yeah. And going down, you know, going in and sitting with somebody, there are so many smart people and yeah, that can really, really help and have been through it. And then, you know, find other people that have been through it, but come out the other side of it. Right. Because on the flip side of things, and maybe this is a little negative and I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings, but I think a lot of people that, not a lot, but some that have been divorced tend to justify what happened by recommending it to other people right misery loves company yeah and so yeah um you want to make sure you surround yourself with the right people when you're going through it right um or the people that want what you want just because it's really easy to justify either decision you know whether you want to get divorced or whether you want to save it if you want to get divorced you can find plenty of those people it's like yeah just do it it's i'm happier than ever right you know, and and, and it's true, though, and, too. There, let's, you know, we've got to also see that side. Right. Sometimes divorce, in instances, it is the right thing because it's just Definitely. so toxic. Definitely. And, and, and sometimes we do have to get out of that kind of thing. But, but I love your advice where we've got to put some effort into it. It takes work to cultivate a relationship. It really does. And so if you don't put in that work, how do you really know? So right. put in the work and effort and see where that goes. But Well, and, it could be so great on the other side. Yeah. Like, I mean... I don't know if I've ever been in a darker spot than that six months. You know, yeah. you talk about it now and it's all good and there's all, cause now it's a good thing, right? It's turned yeah. into a good thing. Right. But that was six years ago. And so, but it was horrible. I mean, horrible. Cause all, yeah. I was just in my mind all day long. Cause yeah. I'm working 18 hours a day now in barbecue. I'm cooking overnight. Like, so I'm in the restaurant by myself till late at night i'm back at 4 30 in the morning so i'm with, just in with, my own head yeah with that weighing on you that possibly right. this isn't going to work i'm going to be alone yep i won't see my kids as much i mean yep. there's a lot going on in there i, I joke yeah. that some of those briskets had uh salt from tears not right. just sea salt on them 
Right. Like it was, you know, big old 300 pound dude crying, trimming a brisket. And it was, it was a dark, you know, it was a tough time, but again, I'm the type of person that needs, this is kind of sad, but I need to hit a wall. This is the ADHD talking. I've got, it's almost like I have to hit the wall for me to take action. But Mm -hmm. once I hit that wall, I take action. Well, and I don't quit. And so it was, you know how I know that's true. And I is because like, you're one of those guys. I already know this, that when you, when you set your mind to something, you do it. Right. Like when you saw the hockey for the first time on TV, you're like, I'm, I'm playing hockey. Yep. And you were dedicated even to the point where you're hanging out with the older guys over and over and over again until they finally said, all right, kid, you can play with right. us. Right. It's the ADHD wormhole. Yeah. And it's like you find something you love and nothing. It's like just laser blinders, laser yeah. focus, and you just go. Yeah. And it, and it's the exact same story with barbecue. Yeah. So, and we'll get to that towards right. the end. But I want to talk about what you mentioned before a little bit that you you found yourself at a time in your life where you had an issue with uh, opiates, painkillers. Yeah. Let's talk about what happened there and how that came about. So that was, man, about three years ago now two years ago. So I've had knee surgeries. I had a foot mm-hmm. surgery. So I had plantar fasciitis really bad in both my feet. And yeah, when you said I'm a big dude, I'm a lot bigger than normal right now. And that's my next quest that I'm working okay. on. Like it's, so I'm six, yeah. five away about four fifteen right now. Yeah. A lot of people are surprised by that just cause I do kind of hold it. Well, you I'm don't a tall look, dude. Yeah. You really don't look four fifteen. I would have, I would have said like three twenty five. Well, thank you. Honestly. I really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> there's still there's still some muscle mass under there holding some things up so. sure sure <laughs> but uh but yeah it working in the restaurant industry you know i was traveling a lot you know i I've, i teach classes all over the country and i even did some international stuff that year and i was just i was just hurting everywhere right. and um it had gotten to the point because i was you know 36 37 and it's like you can handle pain up to a certain point, but now that I'm getting a little older, it's a little bit more surface. Which kind of adds to it. Yep. Right. And yeah. then, you know, there's always the emotional element too, you know, being overweight. I'm not playing sports. I'm not doing, you know, I'm not snowboarding. I'm not all of the things that kind of kept me healthy and sane. Yeah. Like um, a good release from right. everyday life. Like my and, hockey. Right. You know, it, none of it. All I was doing was just working and then going home and being a dad. Yeah. And so I think there was definitely an emotional element to it too, but, um, so yeah, I got a, I don't remember if it was after a surgery or what, no, it wouldn't have been a surgery. I just, I got a, I think, oh no, it was for my plantar fasciitis, Mm -hmm. which has been horrible. Like I just got a, I just got a plantar fascia release like six months ago. Oh wow. Anyway, so I got a prescription and you know being in the barbecue you know space like i meet a lot of people and i've got sure you know a lot of friends in different fields and so um i think people just you know it's just like anybody there's a lot of people you look at and you don't think could have a drug problem right right but it can get anybody anybody yeah. and so sure you know i think there was no prop when i asked for more they didn't even think twice and you know these are these are people that care about me a ton and it, it, to them, it was, wasn't anything. I'm just a big guy. I'm, I metabolize things quick. I, which right. is true. Right. Like anesthesia, you gotta be careful. Cause it's like 
putting the moose down. I mean, you gotta you gotta use a lot of medicine because I will wake up. And so, uh, <laughs> oh, man. so, but I had gotten to the point where I was taking probably, I don't know, maybe seven to ten a day of oxycodone, you know, mm-hmm. Percocets. Right. And, but I definitely got to the point where I wasn't taking it just for pain anymore. It just makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. And so, my wonderful wife, um, who I have not put in, her through anything by this point, right? Right. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Poor girl. Right. Um, it's funny. I came home and I had kind of kept it to myself. Like I didn't think anybody really knew. And um, anyways, I walk in the house one day and she just has she has a look that look and yeah. Flashback Central. I was about to pee myself. I was so scared. And I'm like, oh no. And she just like it's pills or me. I'm like, wait, what? She goes, I'm tired of it. And I'd gotten to the point where. It affects you. It's great when you're up on them, but you're yeah. a total dick when you're down. And yeah. and even though my temper has subsided a lot, being a little bit older now, sure. I definitely I don't mince words. If I'm not happy, you're gonna know. You're gonna and, hear it. Yeah. And so she had just realized for a couple months that I was just kind of turning into this jerk. Yeah. And she had put it together that I was just taking too many pills and. Um, she had enough. And- this is another place where that six months really helped me because that's what I flash back to. Right. So I grabbed my bottle. It had it was a prescription for I don't know ninety or one hundred and twenty. I mean, it was a big bottle. It was right. About a third full still, and I dumped them in the toilet and curled up in a ball for six days. And so cold turkey. Cold turkeyed it. Wow. And so I haven't so, taken so one since. Let's, let me, let's look at this timeline. So you come home one night, your wife says, me or the pills. Yep. Was it that night you did that? Yeah, it was like 10 minutes later. You're kidding. Mm-mm. I have a picture on my phone of the pills in the toilet. So you literally dump them. And I just, so she said, she was sitting on her bed. It was like three or four in the afternoon. Okay. I went down to the truck, got the whole bottle, walked up, popped the cap, showed her, dumped them in the toilet. And I even took a picture of them, flushed them, and then, I, and then I just said, "Honey, it's going to be a long week, and I need your help." And she's like, "I'll help you." Wow. So, so yeah. So now you go through some very, you know vicious withdrawals yep. and detoxing, and and you know I think everything I read online, I was a lot more. I think I had told myself it was going to be way worse than it was, and I don't know if this played into it. Maybe you do, but so I had just had my testosterone checked, and it was way low. Mm-hmm. And so about a month before I had the like pellets put in uh-huh. and she had also checked like vitamins and everything. So I got all these vitamins and minerals. So that might've helped a little bit cause I think hormones right. and vitamin, uh-huh. like everything was where it was supposed to be, but it still really sucked. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's like the worst flu you've ever had. With like cold sweats times a hundred, yeah, and yeah. I mean it, it's just yeah. I said stay hydrated. I'd be really cold and really hot, then I'd be really sweaty. But it took a month. It took you know five to six days, really hard, nasty, feel sick, not too much. Like I didn't really throw up, which I was thankful for, but because I don't like throwing up. But yeah, um, but my energy and just kind of drive to do anything didn't return for about 30 days 
Yeah. I just kind of felt like tired and well, just for sure. no energy. It, and that's typical. It, it's right. about a 30 day. I mean, the first, obviously first five, six, seven days are brutal. Right. But then it's usually about a 30 to 40 day window before you start feeling somewhat like normal with the energy. Like you're right. Feeling. Yeah. Yep. It was, it was yeah. rough, but again, you just, you look back on it and you do notice <laughs> yeah. like it was just Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It was sure. up, down, up, down. And, and you don't want to put your kids and your wife through that. And so well, and it here, was awesome that we were yeah. in a place where, you know, you'd think by this point, my wife would just kind of be like, all right, enough's enough. Get the right. hell out. I'm done. <laughs> but, you know, we had we had worked so hard and our marriage is awesome and it still takes a lot of work. But um, she was so supportive. And, and I love how tough she was where she was just like, pills are me right now. And I just, I love it. She knows me really well. And that's the thing. I need that wall. There's the wall, and again, it goes back to like when you set your mind to something, you yep. do it, and you were like, "Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yep, dump them, and then you just went through whatever you needed to go through. Yeah, and yeah, that's, I'm, that's I, pretty impressive, actually. Well, thank you, and that's I, I'm very grateful. You know, that's the one great thing about having a person you love and a family, and you know, you just there's nothing more important, you know, other than God for me, other than them, you know. Yeah, and so wow. I mean, am I really going to choose a pill over my family? And that, and that's the hard thing is, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with that because it's a hard thing to let go of, but, but it's kind of like the divorce thing. It's like, man, don't be scared to ask for help because there's plenty. I mean, I'm sitting in a place right now where you help people do that stuff and that's amazing. And so, um, that's impressive. Yeah. You can't, you can't be judgmental because there are so many people struggling with, with that type of thing right now. Yeah. Well, you know, and I know not everyone believes they can do the cold turkey. They right. they actually can. They just don't believe they can. Right. Well, and, and the internet's not helpful either. Not helpful. But but again, that's where it's good to go reach out and get some help and right. have someone, you know, do it. You know, typically someone would go to like a, you know, a, an actual hot, you know, right, right. A medical detox. Right. Where you didn't, uh, you know, we'd recommend doing that if you're listening to this right now and you right. need some help. Um don't be afraid to go get some medical help for that. Um, I appreciate you sharing that as yeah. well. Um, so, and that was about three years ago, you said, or two, two, yeah, three years ago? Two th- well, yeah, about between two and three years ago. Yeah. Wasn't that long ago. So this was during while you're still doing the barbecue. Oh, yeah. And Bam Bams, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, I, and I think that was kind of a factor. It's just, I don't know if, any, if you've ever had plantar fasciitis, but. I haven't. Oh, but I've heard it's brutal. It's hell. I mean. It, it honestly feels like there's a knife in your heel all day long. And so, I mean, I went through a ton of shoes trying to find, like, the cushiest shoes mm-hmm. and arch supports and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, it's pretty common ailment for people that work in the industry that I work in. But then you add the weight to it, too, and it's just... Well, you're on your feet all day long. On your feet all day. Yeah. And once your plantar fascia drop, like, you have no shock absorption. And wow. so, so, yeah, it was it was crazy. So... Um, I still get a cortisone shot like every six months on my left foot. My right foot's improving after the surgery, but good. Um, but yeah, use cortisone. Don't use opiates. <laughs> good advice. <laughs> yeah. Good advice, Cameron. Yeah. Very deep. Good advice. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Bam Bam's Barbecue. I yeah. know it's something you're very passionate about. Let's talk about how that kind of came about. You you know. It's kind of a similar story. It is. It is. The barbecue story, it's another, (laughs) I think it's another ADD wormhole. So um, I found, you know, I was watching playoff hockey 
and maybe it was playoff hockey. I don't know. I guess it would have been February, early March in Provo. And so I found a TV show called Barbecue Pitmasters. It's an accident. And, right. Um, it was about the guys that travel around the country and compete in barbecue and right. it just looked awesome. And I wasn't even into really grilling or anything. I wasn't, it, really? I wasn't into cooking. I wasn't, but it, again, it kind of caught me like hockey did. And I just, something about it just kind of spoke to me. And I went to Lowe's that night and bought a little $40 <laughs> bullet smoker. There's a foot of snow outside and. And I lit it up. I still have a picture of the first rack of ribs I ever made, and they look horrible. <laughs> I even put pine wood in the charcoal. And, and I mean, if right. I, for anybody who had barbecues, you know that you don't use softwoods. You use hardwoods for flavor because you're just putting black smoke up you know, with sap <laughs> and everything else. And I was just so excited to see smoke coming out of it. And um, wow. But, again, when I find something that I love, mm-hmm. um, there's kind of no turning it off and again it's that's our separation that's kind of yeah. it kind of built up to that it's it's a hard ride to take with uh i would <laughs> imagine being married it's a hard ride to take with cuz i don't joke about adhd i mean i've i i'm definitely adhd i i've well, taken i've can, taken can ADHD I share drugs something with for you? 13 years yeah. and everything i'm going to just say you either have a lack of focus or you're really focused right why don't we just call it that sure because, yeah, and that, and because that's what, what a is. blessing. Because think about this, man. Again, when you set your mind to something, you do it. What a gift, right? It, it, now it can also be a deterrent and right. and, and, a, and you know something that could be bad. But it, there's know, good. And look there's at all bad. the good that's coming out of it as well. Right, and I think you know there's this there's this blog that I follow that they refer to it as a superpower, and it's just kind of about knowing your amen, my friend. R- right, I agree a hundred percent. That's why I share it so easily because yeah. I'm. I have no problem with it, and I think that there's people that don't treat it because they don't want to admit that they have it. Right. Plus, too many people, it's taboo. Like, it's a yeah. real thing. Sure. Executive function and dopamine. Like, I don't produce dopamine like the normal person. So, right. yeah. when I find something that produces it, boom. You're, you're all We in. just got to make sure they're healthy <laughs> right. things, right? Like barbecue. Like barbecue. So, um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, I, I started that up, and then... I moved to Arizona for work and in Arizona, the barbecue world was a lot more established probably just because of the warm weather. And I kind of did the same thing. I started kind of hovering in this barbecue shop called barbecue Island mm-hmm. in Tempe and kind of like with the hockey guys, right? Just watching. And so I, I'm in there hovering, checking out product, getting to know the guys didn't really have a lot of money to spend in there. And, but, um, about, I don't know, three months into it, I decided to, jump in my first barbecue competition and i finished dead last it wasn't a real <laughs> one like you see on tv it was it was kind of a local one finished dead last but it was 130 degrees on the pavement it was for a Jeez. veterans day like biker rally thing right and he felt so bad that no bikers showed up because it was so hot and we all had donated meat that he invited us to his, he was the promoter of an actual pro competition oh, okay. the next week in Northern Arizona. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. So I show up my wife's Murano with one little smoker, had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> the same one from Lowell's? Four. No, no yeah. A I'm, little I'm bit kidding. better, but still, I mean, it wasn't much right, better. Right, But three of the main characters from that TV show were in this competition. Really? And I beat all three of them. You're so kidding I me. actually came home with about 3000 bucks. 
Are you kidding? Took a, a first place, a third place, and a fifth place overall. Had a lot, you know. I had a guy up there that had a problem with the smoker, so he really helped me with the turn-in boxes and everything right. else. And so I just leave there. I remember the judge handing me the trophy. He's like, "This is the most expensive trophy you'll ever own because you're hooked now." And this because most people that compete don't make any money, right? Um, and you're so, like, wow. Yeah. Here so about we three weeks later, I sign up for another one and have the exact same result. No and so Barbecue wow. Island, the, the place where I hovered, offered me a job. So I sold, yeah, I bet I they sold a, <laughs> my stake in this little marketing company I owned with my best friend for 20000 bucks, and just went after. So I went from making pretty good money to making about $11 an hour. <laughs> and that's with a wife and two kids. And uh, But again, you can't stop, you know, there's yeah. just no stopping me. And so... But that barbecue shop was is pretty big, and right. I I'm very good at networking. I'm, I make friends easily, and sure. And I so that kind of gave me a springboard to get to know a lot of these pro cooks. They sponsored me, so I started traveling all over competing. And this will be the last little comp story that I tell, but this is one that I'm proud of. I went to Mesquite. To, to it's one of the biggest comps in the West, and I didn't tell my wife this, but we had seven bucks in our bank account. Wow. And they paid for everything, meat, my entry fee, all that. But I had to feed myself. So I had enough money to basically get like a McDonald's value meal on the way home. Jeez. Um, but so let's see, about three hours before turn-ins, my wife calls me crying. And unfortunately, she had logged into the, Saw the account. bank account. And right. so turns out that competition was kind of the make or break of my career if if – if I didn't win any money, which is very easy to do, there's no, it's like you're back to a normal job. You're back to doing your, right. Yeah. No more $10 an hour. And yeah. so I ended up clinching the Nevada state barbecue championship. I took reserve grand champion. I came up with $13,000. Are you kidding me? That day. Wow. And so I called my wife. I was bawling. Just I'm coming home. They gave it to me in chips. It was at the Casablanca <laughs> casino. Nice. Most barbecue comp guys are drunk by this time. And so right. if you give them to them in chips, what they're, are they going to do? They're going to go spend it. So I just, I love blackjack. So I just put my hands over my eyes. I walked straight to the cage. And said, cash me and out. And cash me out. And I'm like, I got the hell out of there. But That was smart. Good move. Yeah. So it was, uh, <laughs> so that was kind of the turning point. In that competition, I also met a, a guy named John Lewis from Austin, Texas, who I didn't know at the time was the pit boss of probably the most famous barbecue joint in America to this day. Um, and we became pretty quick friends and he called me two months later and, um, you know, everybody kissed this guy's butt cause of who he was. I, I right. had no idea who he was. So I just right. treated him normal. And he just said, how would you like to move down to my house for six months? And I'll teach you everything you need to know about the restaurant side of the biz. And uh -huh. you can live at my house and pay 500 bucks a week. No way. And my wife was the one that's like, you got to do it. And so, so yeah, I moved to Austin <laughs> and that's right. You that's know, awesome. I mean, it's, it's the Michael Jordan of, of brisket. And so oh, for sure. Um, wow. but that was a big stress on the marriage too. So, cause we weren't making a lot of money. Of course I was just sending everything home, but, yeah. um, but yeah, after that I had the knowledge to, to do the restaurant side. So, you know, that. Hovering at Barbecue Island and just going down the wormhole and getting to know people. And they yeah. gave me so much help 
and then getting to know a lot of the big cooks from around the country because whenever someone competed in Arizona, they stopped in. Right. Um, That's cool. That led to me going to the World Championships and the American Royal Invitational. I, I think I placed like 17th out of the top 150 in the world. That is amazing. And I was only a year into competing, and um, and then I met John and, and went and did the restaurant side. So, so yeah, started in 2009, lit the barbecue in Provo in, in the snow, and – Bam Bam's open June first, two thousand thirteen. Wow! So that was a four-year what a story, four-year crazy ride. What a story! Well, no wonder everyone raves about Bam Bam's barbecue because I mean, look at you just have a knack for it, obviously. Right. Because I mean, to win that quickly and to continue winning, it wasn't a fluke, right? You realize it wasn't a fluke. I know and, what and I'm. And I had a lot of help, and I think it's just like anything. I don't want to say it's all about who you know, but it's you know, it's about creating relationships and. Successful people, I've learned, um, they really want to help other people. Yeah. Um, I've had the, the, I don't know if you know this, but one of the coolest things I've done in my career, the last two years, I feed the New Orleans Saints every month. I did not so know I, that. I, really? I fly out and feed them once a month, and Taysom Hill started, you know, all got set up through him. And Okay. Um, watching guys like Taysom and Drew Brees. Right. Um, it's been a really cool example because they, you know, there's another CEO of Traeger, Jeremy Andrus. Um, uh-huh. some of the most successful people that I know are just very sweet, humble, giving, giving. people. Yeah. And barbecue world is no different. I mean, the mm-hmm. most successful guys did not have a problem helping other people learn and get better and win. And yeah. And so I owe a lot of that to to other people that's beautiful i love it but yeah i mean it was but they were genuine relationships i wasn't just trying to get something out of them right right so i think that's important in in any industry so so yeah that's amazing what a very supportive very supportive wife too sorry yeah yeah but it worked out props to ashley man yeah i graduated high school with a (laughs) 1.9 gpa so i wasn't supposed to own a good business but look at you now yeah well Um, thanks miss van sloten because you're not supposed to graduate with a (laughs) 1.9 But on my third retry on my uh-huh. algebra test, that's right, algebra is a senior. Right. I have no, no shame in saying that. That's right. She cried and said she was going to miss me, and she gave me a D plus. Wow. And I got to graduate. So. Right on. So, yeah. Right on. Where, um, for our listeners, where is Bam Bam's Barbecue located? So, I'm in Orem. I'm at 1708 South State Street in Orem. So, yeah. it's just about, I don't know, a half mile south of the mall there. Yeah. In Orem, right before so, you drop down into Provo. For those of you that are out of the state of Utah or listening to this, when you come into town here, make sure you go there. Yeah. And then mention us. that I heard yes. your Belief Cast podcast, and uh, maybe maybe Cameron might give you a little discount. Hey, we'll see. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I'll be tired and grumpy probably <laughs> maybe. from being up really early in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, that'd be awesome. I'd love to hear from wow. people that listen to this. Well, if, if someone wanted to reach out to you and, and maybe just – you know, thank you for your story or ask you a question, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, I'm pretty good on social media. So if you, it's just Bam Bam's BBQ on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And so, okay. um, so yeah, just, you could send me a tweet, a DM on Instagram or Beautiful. I would say Instagram and Twitter are the best. Facebook yeah. is sometimes I miss the messages on there. Yeah. You know, if you send a direct message, but okay. But yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to hear from people. Beautiful. So, Beautiful. 
Well, I want to thank you, Cameron, for uh, coming here and taking the time. Uh, I'm grateful that Scott recommended you, yeah. and I know now I know why. <laughs> what an amazing story! And yeah, I love... we did, uh, he, you know, he helped me out a lot too. We should have talked about that, but yeah. he well, when I got back, Scott. yeah, He's when I get back from Austin, he just yeah, he wrote me out a check, said let's do this, and that's amazing. So yeah, I owe him a lot for for. Uh, who knows if I would have ever had the guts to pull the trigger, but he definitely made it easier. Yeah, so. we're talking about Scott Warner, yeah, Scott people, Warner, my just cousin. so you know, is his cousin. And partner in Bam, in yeah. Bam Bams. He was on my uh, uh, belief cast as well, so you can look him up as well. Cameron, thank you so much, man. Oh, my, my pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, man. I, I just, I pinch myself. I get to hear such amazing stories, well, and I'm you. glad I get to know you. You're and, easy to uh, talk to. I don't know oh. if I've ever talked to the microphone about any of this stuff. <laughs> I'll happily well, share it with people personally, but that's good. it's like, wow, I just... Uh, yeah. Told all iTunes that right story, on. but that's okay. Yeah. That's a good thing. Right on. Okay, well, listeners, thank you so much for your support once again. Another amazing story. Again, I'd like to thank Veracity Networks for their sponsorship of this belief cast and for making this possible. And again, Cameron, uh, all the best to you and your family thank and you. all the success. And uh, um, I can't wait to go down to Bam Bam's and have some barbecue. Can't wait to see you. Thanks right. for having me. Thanks so much, man.